It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Alex Nieto on the ice there for the Sharks, along with Hurdle. Hurdle couldn't clear it, kept in. Kopitar shoots, score! Kopitar gets it back on the right point, lets the wrist shot go, it was up high, stick side on James Reimer, and putting his arms in the air with a sigh of relief, Kopitar sees a six-game pointless drought come to an end. He did not have a goal in his previous 11 games, only one goal in his last 18, and it is 1-0 Los Angeles. Yeah, I thought they had a couple good shifts in the first again, and you can't get them out there that much because, you know, of all the penalties. And I think that uh, in the third period, we played a little, uh, um, you know, bingo balls trying to shuffle the lines, looking for some kind of spark or offense. So, um, you know, yeah, I think uh, um, that is <laughs> you want your big boys to be your best and uh, and to carry it. And I thought that uh, um, took us too long to get going in the first period. And then when we did finally get a few good shifts, we got into penalty trouble and then just uh, – um, wasn't good to pro our game. All right. Good morning, everyone. I don't think there is too much to explain in terms of what went wrong last night. I think it's pretty obvious that if you take that many penalties, you're not going to win the game. And if you're constantly on the kill like that, if you are constantly in a position where you are rolling your same forwards out there over and over again, and you're emptying the tank, trying to make sure the opposition does not score when they are on the power play, it's not going to have a positive outcome on the other side. And over and over and over, we saw the same thing play out. We saw the Sharks gain a little bit of momentum, but then the Kings would come roaring back. Sharks draw a penalty. And I felt like that scenario just happened over and over and over over the course of the game. And it's not even such that sometimes I thought they were the worst penalties in the moment to take. Some of them, you know, Jonathan Dolan got a high sticking. It was like there was nothing, no intent there. That's just how the game goes sometimes. But it feels or it felt like a lot of those penalties were right on top of the other. And when you spend two minutes killing a penalty and then you get another penalty right at the end of that one or just you know a minute later and you got to put those same killers back out there again, I mean, credit to them for being that good and being able to kill things so well. But at the same time, it was just, you know, you could tell that they were not as fresh then when they came out there on their more offensive-minded shifts when they weren't on the kill. And I think that some of that overall fatigue from having to kill so many penalties definitely left the Sharks not as sharp as they needed to be, even though overall I didn't hate the game in the slightest. I thought the Sharks, you know, I've, I've said this a million times this year, and it speaks to the lack of depth that the Sharks have on offense, but when when they've only given up two goals going into the third, you would feel like in most games that puts you in a potentially winnable situation. But the Sharks right now, and as it has been all year long, they don't have the depth to make that happen. They don't have the offensive threat. You're playing a team that you've beaten every other time you've faced them this year. So there is, you know, it's it's hard to win all the games, right? 
And I think that was working against you. And then also it's just, you know, the flow of the game was severely interrupted. And that's actually two games in a row. The flow has been severely interrupted. And, you know, I, I you get frustrated because the Sharks, you know, they only got a point against Florida and they played a pretty good, pretty good game against LA and weren't able to walk away with any points. But that's how it's been for the Sharks this year. Offense has not been their strong suit. It's one of the reasons why they've locked up Hurdle long term because he is one of their known entities on offense. But it can't just be Tomas Hurdle, who I thought had a pretty good game, and I'm still a little bit miffed that he didn't get um, you know, the penalty shot opportunity on that penalty he drew late in the game. And, you know, that's just that's how it goes sometimes. It's you're just not gonna catch any breaks. Felt like the Sharks didn't catch a single one over the course of that game, and the Kings were able to capitalize on the overall flow of the game, and they took you know an early lead, and they were able to build upon it, and even two goals against the Sharks, unless they have a transcendent performance from one of their top talents, oftentimes that's going to be too much for them to come back from. You know, yeah, there have been games where the Sharks have come back from a 3-1 deficit or 2-0 deficit, and yes, they are certainly capable of doing it because these are all professionals who have the ability to do so in any given game, but it's not what you should be planning on. And as we've seen from the Sharks, when they are able to take control of games, it goes pretty well for them when they're able to have an early lead, when they're able to, you know, build that momentum over the course of the game. And I even look at the game, you know, against Florida, they have a one nothing lead, then Florida ties it. And they have a 2-1 lead and Florida ties it. It's still, that game was more to the control of the Sharks, even if there were penalties and, you know, power plays all over the place in that game. It's just how the game goes and you adapt and you respond in the midst of the game. Now, Florida is so good that the Sharks were not able to kind of hold them off, and eventually they got the ball rolling. It became an uphill game for the Sharks and downhill for Florida. The Sharks, unfortunately, were looking uphill the entire night against the Kings, even though they did some things pretty well, in my opinion. One of the bright spots was Noah Gregor, and I think that after sitting a couple games, the message definitely got through to him. And he's one of those guys who, when we look to the future, if the Sharks have a future with a Noah Gregor, he needs to be better at finishing. I mean, that's the thing that we've seen over and over again this year. And I, I'm not trying to be overly critical of Noah Gregor because I like so much of his game. I love his speed. He's always, you know, one of the two fastest guys out there on the ice. I love his playmaking ability. I love the way he plays all over the ice. I love the effort. I love the grit. I love the sandpaper, as Bob Bugner would say. But you can't do all those things well and leave out the most important aspect, which is putting the puck in the back of the net. Now, I think Noah Gregor is young in his career. He has a lot of growth to do, and I think that he's been on the wrong end of the stick on a number of instances this year where things could be different going forward in his career. But you have to also look at the reality and what has been consistent. What has been the problem? What has been the overall you know way that things have worked out? And for him, it is simply not scoring. And for him to be a maximal player, to be self-actualized as a player, He's got to put those pucks in the back of the net because without it, his value goes down. And I'm not trying to be cold and callous and, you know, overlook the effort that he's putting out there on the ice. But as we all know, in sports, effort isn't enough. It's not enough just to play hard and be, you know, a quality player over the course of the game. You got to put the puck in the back of the net. You got to rack up assists. Now, it wasn't just Gregor last night, but that's been the trend with him over the course of the season. And I hope he does figure it out because I, I like his game so much, but you know, last night you needed somebody else to provide a spark. You needed it from somebody else who wasn't on the kill. You needed it from somewhere on that Sharks team. And unfortunately, it just, it wasn't happening. And all over the ice, you saw the Sharks trying to make things happen. And I thought that, you know, they did create some good opportunities. And we think of, 
you know, Timo Meyer having an opportunity on a, at the doorstep. It gets tipped up into the air, and he said after the game he didn't want to go up and get it because he thought he'd get a high-stick call. And, yeah, I mean, I understand exactly why that was. And You get an incredible save at that point. But, you know, it, it's it's something like maybe try it just because you got to see what can happen. I mean, I, I don't know. It's easy for my position watching off the couch like everybody else. We all want to be the armchair analyst. But it, you just feel like you have to try something. Something's got to change over the course of the game. And I felt like there was not enough dynamic opportunity for the Sharks, even though once again last night we saw more second and third opportunities. We saw more sustained puck possession on the power play. We saw more sustained puck possession even when it was five on five. You know, the Sharks, their great deficit this year is ultimately putting pucks in the back of the net. Because even when things are improving overall, they still lack that one key aspect that you need to win a game. You're not going to win many games if you don't put the puck in the back of the net. That's not exactly hard to understand. And I feel like if you're James Reimer, you feel some of that frustration because Reimer made huge saves and huge stops. And listen, even if one of those two goals I didn't love, I still think that if you've only given up two goals going into the third, that's that's exactly what you need your, your your goalie to be. That's exactly the position you need your team to be in. And for James Reimer, by the way, the stat, I didn't realize how good the stat was. His 950-something save percentage when the Sharks are on the kill this year, that's phenomenal. That is absolutely out of this world. And it kills me how many times we have seen James Reimer go out and have an absolutely phenomenal game and not get the offensive support he deserves. And that's that's life in the NHL as a goalie. Sometimes you're not going to get the goals you think you deserve. You're not going to get the overall offensive support, but it's just it is tough in those situations because James Reimer once again last night, uh, he was the Sharks' best player out there. You know, he made 26 saves. There were two that got in, you know, and one of them I wasn't even that, you know, upset about is it was screened pretty well. You have a 9.23 save percentage at the end of the night. I'm not taking fault in that game. I'm not finding fault, I should say, with a James Reimer. When all is said and done this year, these are not new trends for the Sharks. I mean, this is just who they are. They're not a great offensive team. They are a a really, really good penalty-killing team. They've been absolutely phenomenal since the break. But right now, the Sharks, after 60 games, 26 wins, 26 losses, 8 overtime losses. How do you get to a record like that? You only score 156 goals through 60 games. That is the third worst in the NHL. The only teams that have scored fewer goals than them, Philadelphia and Montreal. The Flyers, 153 goals, and the Canadians have 153 goals as well. So the Sharks, that's that's a big part of how you get there. It's the lack of goal scoring and the lack of consistency throughout your lineup. And again, this is nothing new for anyone. We've seen the Sharks here. We have watched what they have turned into this year. We have seen some very bright performances, but the overall trends, right? The overall, even beyond trends, but the reality of what they are is they're just not a very good offensive team. And that is because you have, you know, the lack of depth top to bottom. You've had great performances from Noah Gregor. You've had great performances from Jonathan Dolan, but it's not consistent. And the teams in the NHL that win a lot of games, as we saw the Sharks do this for 15 years, are consistent night in, night out. Game in, game out. You can watch these things happen. You can see these players put out very good performances and you have a good idea of what you're going to get. You have a good idea of where the chance creation is going to come from. You feel like there is a blueprint to how the team is going to score. With the Sharks, 
I do not feel there is a blueprint because they have not had the consistency and they have not had the overall ability to show me what it is. Yes, certain nights they have been able to work really, really well and Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle and you work through the blue line and you've got, you know, Brent Burns and Eric Carlson doing their thing and, you know, you cycle the puck on the outside and you create a lane and listen, I've seen it all over the course of the year and I see the things the Sharks have done well, but I have not been able to point from one game to the next where the chance opportunity is going to come from. And I don't blame that on the coaching staff. I essentially say that's where the Sharks' talent level is right now. And I think that Bob Bugner and his staff have done as much as possible to create these opportunities. And I think that with those opportunities, the Sharks have done a decent job because you can see you know, that they're getting denied. They're, they're missing the net. They are putting themselves oftentimes in decent positions, but still not finding the back of the net. I mean, even we go two nights ago against Florida, there were opportunities, but they missed on them. They miss open nets. They miss on open looks. And that simply, that can't be the reality of a team that does play into the playoffs in the NHL. If you're going to be in the Stanley Cup playoffs when all is said and done with the regular season, you have simply got to be a team that capitalizes on your opportunity. And the Sharks are not able to capitalize on their opportunities. Now, if you get you know gassed because you are on the kill so often, you're not going to be as sharp. If you get gassed because you're playing uphill hockey and chasing a game early, you're not going to have the same type of accuracy and you know the same type of the sharpness that you need. And time and time and time again this year with the Sharks, we have seen these exact same things happen. This is not just a trend. It's the reality of the team. Very, very good on the kill. Not great on offense. Better on the power play as of late. But overall, you needed more of these points and more of these goals on the power play when you were more in the thick of things in the playoff race. Now, I do think the Sharks were expecting more from some players, but your expectations only go so far. Like if you were expecting Nick Benito to have a better year, and I don't, I can't explain why he hasn't, but if you were expecting him to have a better year, yeah, that's not going to help you win any games. On the other side of that, you've got to find other players who can create goals in other opportunities and who can step up. And unfortunately for the Sharks, the depth of the team has been the problem that you're not getting those depth goals, that you're not getting the production from up and down the lineup, that it's been you know, your top two lines, it's been your best players, and you need your best players to be your best players. But every game is not going to be a great performance from Timo Meyer, from Tomas Hurdle, from Eric Carlson, you know, however you view it. You need to have more guys up and down the lineup creating and finishing on these opportunities. And that's going to be a big position for the front office heading into the offseason. They are going to look at players that they can think they can find more consistency of and also great value in and looking at guys that are going to be a little bit better. And, you know, it's hard not to get excited about what William Eklund might do because we saw his playmaking ability, not just as a goal scorer because we didn't see him score a goal with the Sharks, but just in terms of the assists, in terms of what he looked like on the power play, I'm very excited to see what he will turn into, hopefully next year. I think we think about the future of a Thomas Bordalo. I think we think about the future of an Ozzie Weisblatt. I mean, these are all players that we look towards in the future of the Sharks, and William Eklund is the one that seems the most immediate. But you also have to start thinking about free agency, and you also have to start thinking about the players that you're going to bring in to make up for these problems. Going into this year, the Sharks particularly identified goaltending as a key problem and something they needed to improve upon. So they signed James Reimer and they signed Aiden Hill. They corrected that problem. And even the development of Sachenko, I think we're very, very happy with that. And I like the fact that we go into the next season knowing you have Aiden Hill, knowing you have James Reimer, knowing you have quality net minded. 
that you can rely upon. But now, because you did not get as good of a year that you wanted from Nick Benino, you got to figure out how to make him more effective in year number two. And I am in no way, shape, or form blaming a Benino or anything like that. I just think that there was an expectation that there would be more offense. And I I can't figure out why there is not. I think that Benino has been very, very good this year for the Sharks and various other aspects of the game beyond scoring. But also, at the same time, it's like you need your forwards to score. You need veterans to put the puck in the back of the net. And I also think that going into the offseason, the Sharks need to be very honest with themselves about how many games they can expect from Eric Carlson. Every year that Carlson has been with the Sharks, he has missed a relatively significant portion of time, except for the shortened 2021 season, with injury. And I think that's something you have to look at next year as part of your overall team design. How many games can you expect from Eric Carlson? 60 to 65? Somewhere in that range, probably, but probably not 82. It's great if you get 82, but it's not what you're currently expecting. You look beyond that and you'd start thinking about what the realistic expectations are for Brent Burns. In the 2018-2019 season, Burns was phenomenal. He had 83 points. The following season, the first COVID shortened, he had 45 points through 70 games. Last year, 29 points through 56. And this year, he's got 40 points through 60 games. That puts him on a pace for about 55 points, which would be Brent Burns' lowest total since 2013-2014 when the Sharks missed the playoffs. Now, obviously, the offensive production cannot be blamed on just a Brent Burns or cannot be blamed on just any couple of players, but I'm just pointing out you have to look at realities. Eric Carlson, he has 28 points through 37 games this year. That puts him around a 62-point pace for the year, but then again, you're going to see him miss some games, or at least that's what we expect, and then Brent Burns is not getting any younger. These are things to pay attention to. You know, you can start looking about Logan Couture. You can start talking about Timo Meyer and Tomas Hurdle and, you know, talk about relative expectations and set those numbers of where you think guys will be in terms of their still upward trends. Some guys, again, who aren't getting any younger, some guys who we consistently see getting injured and start planning for those realities because you can't just go into a year thinking that a guy will play to their relative ceiling. It's great when it happens, when guys have career years, You see what happens, but it can't be the relative expectation. You have got to be very realistic. And not that I don't think the Sharks won't be realistic. I'm just looking at this, you know, from the perspective of what are the Sharks doing right now to address the problems we have seen over the course of this year so that they can have greater success next year. And I think that the Sharks have seen a lot of really good talent out there on the ice and been able to have more of an assessment, been able to look at more of what they've you know, got in terms of their depth, in terms of you know, what do they have in Sachenko, what do they have in Gregor, what do they have now? We're getting more looks at John Leonard, who is a year older and you know a year wiser. I guess my, my point out of all of this is that you have to be very, very honest in your assessment with what you're seeing with the Sharks this year. And you also have to figure out exactly what that leads you into in terms of your offseason plans, because you can't just throw the exact same thing out there and expect to get different results. Even if you do expect maybe some players return more to what their mean in terms of production would be over the course of their career. If you also have more talent out there, you might also increase the production level of other players as talent begets talent as guys who are creators of opportunity will not maybe put guys in better positions it's not that i have a concrete view of what will or will not happen it's just you have to acknowledge what the inherent problems are and what you're going to do in the offseason to address it and that's why i start looking at these things now what are the realistic expectations and what can you do to make the team better the biggest problem of one year ago in terms of net minding that has been substantially improved 
Beyond that, the offensive production, that's the next big question mark. That is the big issue heading into this offseason. All right, we are going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to get into the post-game reaction. You're on Morning Tide. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Yeah, I, he, the ref seemed to think that he got a bit of a shot off and it wasn't from behind. It was more uh, um, from the side, but um, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I always thought the rule is in a clear cut break where you need to get a, you need to get a shot off, and uh, regardless of where you're at. So I, I, I disagree with it, but you know, um, those are big points of the game. Uh, you know, you get a penalty shot there, or we score there. Tommy had another one earlier. Um, you know, there was it was it was a tight game all around for both teams. Both teams didn't really give up much. Um, you know, our uh, just took too many penalties. Every time we got a couple shifts and some flow going to our game. We took another penalty and it seemed that the whole second period, I think it seemed like I played the six same forwards the whole period because we're killing so much. So, and of course we've talked about this before that takes the gas out of the tank and you know, it's almost a carbon copy of what happened when we were here last week and they took six penalties or seven penalties, um, you know, and, and they didn't have a lot of gas left at the end of the game. Um, it's much the same. Yeah, that's Bob Bugner bringing us back, talking about the penalty shot that was not earned by Tomas Hurdle late in that game. And, you know, I here's the deal. When those calls are made, when they're quote-unquote judgment calls, I don't know how I should be reacting to them because they're all different. And I think at this point in my life, whether it's a catch in the NFL, whether it's a strike in baseball, whether it's goalie interference in hockey, whether things should be a penalty shot, as we saw last night with Hurdle, I just, I've seen so many inconsistencies to acknowledge that I am not a referee and I don't know what the correct answer is. It looked like it should have been earned last night, but again, I'm biased. And it's just frustrating because you felt like you needed something to happen your way last night. And that was the thing about last night's game is the Sharks were not like, wasn't one of these games where they were blown off the ice like we saw against Boston, against Pittsburgh, against Tampa and those games earlier. And this year, the Sharks played a pretty good game. It was a little bit sloppy in terms of drawing a lot of penalties. And I think that, you know, the penalty that Timo Meyer took was, uh, you know, on a, a hold. I think that was bad because his positioning was not good on the play. He had Mark Edward Vlasic right there to come and protect him on the outside along the boards. It was just a bad play. And, and I, I understand, though, you're trying to make something happen. You're trying to pin against a guy against the boards and take the puck away and prevent his entry. And you want that type of effort. But it just seemed like last night was one of those games where if it rained, it poured. And boy, it was a... Uh, yeah, it was, a, uh, it was a downpour on the Sharks last night. They just kept on getting penalty after penalty after penalty after penalty. And I feel like that's that's a theme for the Sharks the last couple of games. They're taking a lot of penalties, and I don't know if that's because they're tired. And boy, you know, look out for tonight against a Colorado team that can make you take a penalty from time to time. But, you know, the Sharks have to be prepared for these games. They have to be aware of what's going to happen. Colorado much more so than LA, but they did take a lot of penalties last night. They took them in the game before against Florida. 
Obviously, Florida, one of the fastest, one of the best teams in the NHL this year with a very potent offense. I don't feel that way about L.A., obviously, uh, but it's something they're going to be aware of heading in tonight's game against Colorado. The Sharks have to be ready for this. Um, you know, the one thing I do really, really appreciate about the Sharks right now, though, is how good their penalty kill has been lately. This is what Bob Bugner said about that. You know, we it's it's something that we uh, uh, that we work on that we take a lot of pride on, uh, pride with. I think, um, you know, we're a heavy, heavy force team, and we don't give teams, uh, um, you, you know, many grade A looks on our on our PK, and um, we're we're forcing so hard and so quickly that uh, even on our stands, we've been a good team on our stands, uh, uh, making teams not being able to come over our line with control. And then once that, uh, you know, we trigger, we and, and when one guy triggers, all guy, uh, the, the other three trigger. So we're uh, um, we're working in unison. Uh, I mean, you see tonight that, that goal they scored. I mean, that'll happen from time to time, but that's not even, that's not even a scoring chance. Um, that's from way outside the dot line. Um, you know, so that's, those are tough to prevent. You know, those are the ones that, uh, um, you know, need to stay out of your net. And, uh, but it's, it has been our backbone all year and, and special teams have helped us get quite a few points this year. Now in the previous segment, I was talking about angles of the sharks games and players and certain things they should bank on and certain things they should, you know, look at very realistically heading into the off season. Just as you have gotten a very good performance with James Reimer this year and Aiden Hill and your penalty kill, can you expect them to be as good next year? I don't think the penalty kill you should automatically say will be this good next year, but I think you have a very good base and I think you have a system and I think you have a, a, a core of players that respects and appreciates the challenge of the PK and they want to go out there and be very good as a unit. And I think that some of that mentality needs to go over to the power play. And I wonder if it has lately because the power play has looked a lot better and hopefully there are lessons learned from one year to the next, but the penalty penalty kill and the mentality the sharks take out there, that has got to be something that is maintained from this year into next year. And while the penalty kill might not be quite as good next year, you want to keep it in this realm. You want to be in the top third. You want to have a consistent entity that you can rely on. And that's something that I've harped upon in this episode. What can you rely on in terms of the offense? What can you rely on in terms of player performance? What can you rely on in terms of your special teams, right? I mean, these are the, the honest assessments that you have to make looking at one year from the next. And that also goes in terms of judging what you feel is there like a Noah Gregor. And Noah Gregor, I think, in the game last night, definitely responded to being shut down for a couple of games. That said, he still didn't find the back of the net. Now, I like Noah Gregor's game a lot, and I think that if he can start scoring, then suddenly he looks like a player for the future. And when I talked to him earlier this year, I said, hey, I feel like I'm talking to the present and the future of the San Jose Sharks. And he understood that he was not finding the back of the net as he should, and he's very, very much aware of it. Um, and he talked about, you know, what Bob said to him and, you know, how he reacted in these uh, in his game after being sat down for a few. Uh, yeah, he just said, uh, kind of get back to my game, playing hard, playing physical, uh, using my speed all over the ice. Uh, that was the main thing he said to me this morning. I think so. I thought I had some jump tonight. Uh, I thought our line actually generated a few chances there. Uh, we got close on a, on a crossbar by Rudy. Uh, and the lines kind of got jumbled up after that, but I thought I played, uh, played solid. And I thought he played solid as well. And I'm not trying to be hypercritical or anything like that, but ultimately it doesn't matter how quote-unquote solid you play if the production isn't there on a consistent basis. And unfortunately for Gregor, it hasn't been. And that's why he was sat down for a couple of games. And listen, I'm not pointing all the blame at him. It's just part of these realities that the Sharks have to look at 
going into next year. Another one of those is figuring out how you're going to be a little bit healthier with Reimer and Hill next year, who I assume, unless something changes, will both be a part of what the Sharks are trying to get done. Um, you know, obviously we're still approaching the trade deadline, so anything could change. But I think that you have to have more of a balance back and forth between Reimer and Hill if that's going to be your one-two punch next year. Um, Hill is not likely to go tonight. Looks like it's going to be Sachenko, uh, but I'll let you hear it from the mouth of Bob Bugner as opposed to me. Uh, I'll probably decide tomorrow, but I'm leaning towards uh, uh, Sazi. Just, uh, um, you, you know, we want to come back with Rhymes on Sunday. It's a lot of hockey, and, uh, you know, I know he's still – um, you know, not 100% yet. I'm going to be careful, obviously, because, you know, uh, Hill's not skating it either. But my overall look at next year, as obviously the Sharks were still trying to develop and figure out what exactly Aiden Hill was this year, is that try and find more of that balance back and forth, one on, one off. And I think that, you know, this year it's been a good learning ground and proving ground for Aiden Hill because James Reimer came in as a relatively known entity. And also James Reimer has been such a great leader for the team this year. And I cannot tell you how many times in the postgame his positivity, his overall ability to not let things get to him, that has to spread to the rest of the team because everybody knows in that dressing room that they have not provided Reimer with the offensive support that he's needed, right? Like they all know that there have been far too many times where they have left him, you know, just hung him out to dry. And Reimer has never acted like that's a problem. He's never complained. He's never done anything but go out there and be a smiling, happy face with the media when he loses and a smiling, happier, more effusive face than when they go out there and win. You know, his performance does not dictate his reaction. Now, while he has definitely shown the fact that he's not happy with losing, he's always shown that he is going to be a leader for the Sharks team. And I think that that's something, you know, if if Aiden Hill has anything to learn right now, because Aiden Hill looks like a, a very, very good keeper who seems like a very good guy and seems like he's got a very bright future, um, you know, take a page out of the book of Reimer and just spread that positivity. And that's not even that Hill has ever been negative. Um, he's really just kind of got kind of a flat affect. But I would think that helps him, A, as a goalie, but B, you know, Reimer, he's able to have a very flat affect out there on the ice, but also when he's dealing with the media and dealing with everybody else, you just see how cool and calm and happy he is. And I think that's a, a great way for a goalie in particular to be in a year in the midst of a offensive, I won't say dry spell, but drier year, because it's not just a spell, it's what the Sharks are. All right, that wraps it up for this edition of Morning Tide. I will see you all this afternoon on the buildup as we get ready for Colorado. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.